all about compression. Hello, my name is Jarrell Austin at IUPUI, and I am owner of Final Stage Entertainment, a music production company. We will be discussing compressors over an eight episode series. This is the first episode in this series, so let's get to it. The same type of questions that I had, I receive as well when it comes to compressors. When I started learning about compressors several years back, I didn't know what the word was, yet alone trying to figure out how it works. It was daunting. I was brought quickly to my knees when I noticed it was so much information and it gets convoluted rapidly. Now, I feel the best way to understand compressors is firstly getting terminology out of the way and not being afraid of the number of moving pieces to the puzzle. It's a very simple process, and due to countless ways one might utilize compression on a given sound, that you might find yourself inundated or overwhelmed with the process. So my goal is to get the parts separated and analyzed in a way that you will have a deeper understanding of compression and can start to create your own way of using compression. Now here's where things get stuffy. Because you have no other choice but to use your ears. I won't have anything available for you to be able to look at. You can only use your ears here. With that being said, I know for sure the things I discuss, you will grasp. I have no doubt in my mind. You can't rely on the knobs you see me turning. You don't have anything to go by other than what I am describing at that moment. I also will make it easier for you to process the information that I'm presenting by replaying sounds for a while without you having to continue rewinding and fast forwarding to hear a certain type of effect or whatnot. So what is compression? A compressor can be either a hardware unit, which is physical or a software plugin, which is virtual. In its most basic definition, it actually squeezes the sound you are compressing. Put even more simply, it really is just a basic virtual volume fader, which automatically adjusts itself based on the settings you provide. It brings the sound level down when it's too loud, and it brings the sound level up when it's too quiet. There are two reasons you add compression on a track. For controlling dynamic levels, or for added effects, sound effects. And I don't mean sound as in FX, I mean effects. Now, what I mean by dynamic levels, controlling the dynamic levels, you have to look at it as something being very soft sounding as far as vocals. The way I'm talking right now, if I'm whispering, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. If I'm whispering, if I have the compressor set at a certain sound level, then it brings that level up so you can hear it. Even if I'm screaming, which I will not do for your ear's sake, if I was screaming in the mic, it will bring that level down for volume's sake, based on the settings that you have chosen. All right, so dynamic level is the soft sounds compared to the loudest sounds, and we're gonna compress that signal. That's what we're speaking of with the compressor. Now, the effects, what I mean by that is the compressor, each compressor, is going to add its own signature sound with coloring the tracks, and that brings life to the sound you're compressing, even when you haven't even started compression yet. 
Overcompressing your signal will literally squeeze the living life out of your track. That is the worst part of compressing. And that's any track for that matter. It will squeeze the living life out of it if you overcompress unless you're doing it on purpose or for a certain effect. Now, I want to talk about the types of compressors. Some compressors are fast and some compressors are slow in reading transients. Let's talk about transients. A transient at its most basic term is the initial sound you hear, the initial attack, the initial hit of a, let's say you have a snare drum and if you hit that snare drum, there is there's the initial hit, the initial impact of a sound, and then there's the tail of the sound. And that tail of the sound is really the decaying of the sound itself. Now, just like there are faster cars that we buy and based on how hard we step on the gas, that will determine how fast the car will speed up or slow down. Compressors work the same way. Knowing the difference today, which compressor is faster is not as important as what the compressor does to the sound. So stay focused to what you're hearing and not just to what you know about a compressor. Test them out until you get a feel of it before you just go picking compressors just based on it being faster or slower. Now, the common types of compressors are as follows. You got the tube compression, optical compression, the field effect transistor, which is normally FET, we call it FET, short, and then the voltage control amplifier, which is VCA. Now, but this is no indication as to whether one is better than the other. They are all important. The circuit design is what makes these act differently. The FET type compressors have a very fast attack and release time. We'll discuss that later. The 1176 is a good example of this compressor. That's another name of a compressor that's out there now. So 1176 is the compressors you would see if you have a DAW in your system and maybe you bought Waves plug-in or UAD plug-ins and putting on a compressor and you run across something that says 1176. That's the name of a compressor that is a hardware unit, but we've made it into a virtual unit. We not as in me, we as in the industry. All right, the opto compressors are very slow and less sensitive in reading transients in a signal. We discussed transients before. So most of these type of compressors won't have an attack or release setting. Like this will be something you may run into an LA-2A compressor. That's another type of a compressor. It's very slow. And you will find this in your DAW of choice. As I look at Logic Pro now, and let's see, I want to make sure I'm giving you accurate information. Now, the VCA is a much more diverse compressor. You can use these on most everything. They can be completely transparent while still able to add that glue to your tracks. You can really fine tune this compressor too. Now the tube compressor was the first type of compressor design. With this type of compressor, the more you drive sound into it, the more the gain reduction is increased. There are other types of compressors like the PWM and the diode bridge, etc. But the ones I aforementioned are the more common ones. Now, there are four to five main knobs or controls that are on most compressors. The minimum being two that I've seen. And that minimum normally is the threshold and makeup gain. 
But for the most part, you will see threshold, release, attack, ratio, and makeup game. And then they confuse you even more when they add those meters to show you how much you're compressing. Now, remember, a compressor is just an automated leveling apparatus or virtual leveling machine. These main knobs control the automated leveling that will be outputted. Basically, a signal comes in, you put in your settings based on your setting level or one of these knobs, you will output a signal level that you automate in real time. It's automating the level in real time based on the settings you have chosen. Now there is a sixth item that we will discuss in some compressors, which is called side chaining, but we'll do that at a later episode. I just wanted to mention it because when I bring it back up, you have already at least heard about it. So to the terminology, the attack, release, ratio, threshold, and makeup gain. We will cover these more in depth as we progress along in our podcast series. But also for a sidebar, we will go over limiting as well, which is just an extreme way of compressing. Maximum highest ratio achieves this. Although debate about when you consider it a limited compressor is still brewing. A ratio of 10 to 1 is commonly interpreted by most engineers as when you're starting to limit a signal. And when we mean by limit, we're meaning the ceiling where the compressor is squeezing a sound and making sure a sound does not exceed that threshold level that we set. So anyway, we'll get into that. 10 to 1 is commonly interpreted by most engineers. We'll also discuss New York compression and mixed bus compression. All right. The threshold, the threshold control sets the level at which the compression effect is engaged. Only when a level passes above the threshold will it be compressed. If the threshold level is set at say negative 10 decibels, only signal peaks that extend or go above that level will be compressed. Again, if the threshold level, when you look at your compressor, at that threshold, you're going to set some type of setting based on the signal you're getting when that compressor should start working. The threshold is the most important part of it because it's allowing you to decide when do you want to do compression at softer sounds or at louder sounds? Or do you want to find a happy medium? So if the threshold level is set at, say, negative 10 decibels, only the signal peaks that extend above that level will be compressed. Everything under the threshold will not be compressed. This is just a sidebar. Although it's not compressed, you're still achieving some type of signature sound by the compressor you've chosen. Now, the ratio, this parameter is most misunderstood. But it simply specifies the amount of attenuation that you're going to apply to a signal. You'll find a wide range of ratios available depending on the type and manufacturer of the compression you're using. They're gonna vary. Now, when it comes to the ratio, it's just a basic number against another number. So if I have a ratio that says one to one, or a ratio that says two to one, or a ratio that says three to one, and it can go all the way up, I've seen 50 to one. Remember the argument, anything above 10 to one, or anything at 10 to 1 or above is normally considered you're at limiting stage now. But just think of the compressor as this. When it comes to the ratio, 
a one to one ratio basically means I'm going to put a signal into the compressor, whatever level that that signal is at, let's say if it's at negative 17 as the, the average signal that's coming into that compressor, then what's going to output is the same exact leveling, which is negative 17. It will not do any work to that signal because you did not choose a ratio that would allow it to start leveling things out. So that's one to one. Let's do two to one. Two to one, same exact thing. Two to one means if a signal comes in to the compressor and I have my threshold at negative 17. Now, if the signal come into the compressor is at negative 15, now remember the numbers um, starts to go, let's say negative 17 is the lowest number, negative 16, negative 15 gets higher, you get louder and louder. So negative five is much louder than negative 14. All right, we should know that though. If I have my compressor set at negative 17 and I have my signal coming into the compressor and is at negative 15 and I chose a two to one ratio, the two means for every two decibels that exceeds the threshold, we're only gonna output one decibel. All right, let's put that into some terms again. For every two decibels, not just one time, it's not processing it just one time. For every two decibels that outputs over that threshold, we're gonna only output one. Let's say the signal my threshold is still set at negative 17. And instead of my signal coming into the compressor is negative 15, maybe it's negative 13. So now that is negative 13, remember for every two decibels that a signal goes into a compressor, it's only gonna output one. So now I'm out at negative 17, I'm at negative 13. That's four decibels. Those four decibels that had come over the number ended up at negative 13 the compressor is only going to output two above the threshold. So the threshold is at negative 17. The signal coming in is at negative 13. The real signal that comes back out of that compressor after it does its leveling is going to be negative what? 15. So if the signal is exceeding the threshold by eight decibels, it would attenuate down to four decibels. It'll output four decibels above the threshold. A ratio around three to one can be considered moderate compression. Five to one would be medium compression. Eight to one starts getting into that strong, heavy compression, what we call limiting. 20 to one, you know it's limiting anyway. Now we have attack time and release times. These are very similar. The attack time refers to the time it takes for the signal to become fully compressed after it exceeds the threshold level that's been set. Remember, the compressor is just an automated leveling virtual machine. So when we talked earlier about transients, this is what we're speaking of. How quickly when that transient comes through, how quickly will the compressor go to work? So if you want to compress the transient signals, the early signal, the first hit of, the, of a drum, if we were talking about a drum, you're going to need to do some type of fast attack. But if you want that snare or let's say it's a kick drum, if you want it to resonate or the transients to come through, then you compress it, then you want to have a slower attack time. 
That's all it means. How fast do you want the compressor to start working? Release is the exact opposite of attack time. It is the time it takes for the signal to go from the compressed sound that you're getting to going to dying out. We call that attenuating. Release times can be considerably longer than attack times, generally ranging anywhere from 40 to 60 milliseconds, two to five seconds is what some people use on that, depending upon which unit you're working with. Now put simply, release time is when do you want to stop this signal from being compressed? Literally the opposite of attack. When do you want to end the compression? So it can start compressing again and we do the cycle over and over. Now lastly, but not least, when you're compressing a sound, you're gonna lose volume. Based on how many decibels attenuation that you're getting out of that compressed signal, it's gonna depend upon how much makeup gain you're gonna need to add back to that signal so that the level is back where it needs to be. Now, don't get me wrong, it is still leveling. It is still leveling, the automated leveling thing is happening, and although it's happening, it's just happening at a much lower volume than before. So you have to adjust that makeup gain. That's the easiest part of a compressor is pulling your gain to where the level is or what the level was before you started compressing it. What we call a being, this is just a sidebar. How you know if the signal is level, you just turn the compressor on and off, listen to it. And if the sound is increasing as you turn it off, then you might need to increase your makeup gain on your compressor. If a sound is decreasing when you turn the compressor off, then you might want to decrease your compressor volume. That's makeup gain. Now, with all of that being said, we got the hardest part of the eight episode podcast out of the way, the terminology. So now when we go into describing it on the next episodes and we're going into testing sounds and listening to it, you already have an understanding of attack time, release time, your ratio and your threshold level makeup gain. You won't have anything on side chaining at the moment, but that's coming in the future. Again, my name is Drell Austin with IUPUI, owner of Final Stage Entertainment. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode.